When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, what's up? Welcome in GC Live. What you laughing at, Chris? Two things. Number one, I'm chewing on something, and we just generally looked a, a little bit unprepared when we came on. But such well, is life. Here's one thing I've noticed when <laughs> when it's set when we go live because I can go back and look at the replay. Obviously, sometimes it doesn't tell us we're live quite yet. So there's like a split two second moment there. Where we're just staring off into space, I feel like. Um, and sometimes I, I try to anticipate it, and I start talking. But then when I go back, we weren't actually live, so it just like cuts in. So I don't know. We're we're gonna somewhat blame ourselves, somewhat yes. blame the technology. But anyway, we are live now. I know that for a fact. We are out there. We are on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and then of course after the fact on all the podcast platforms and. In, in no broadcasting school would they ever tell you to do this, but let me just say, if you're at work, if you're watching on your phone, if you only have one screen right now, just turn us off and listen to us later because women's basketball game right now, as we're going live, heavily entertaining. Um, I think they're at the half right now, but full Wiley. Must see TV. Malaysia Full Wiley making her debut. And um, I'm sure it's all over Twitter at this point. It will be all over Twitter by the time you're seeing, listening, or watching this. And um, to have the guts in your first college basketball game ever playing in Paris <laughs> on ESPN, to yeah. even attempt the move that she just did and to pull it off, tells me all I need to know. So. Let let me let me just go ahead and hot take the heck out of this thing. Cardoso may be South Carolina's next number one overall pick, but Full Wiley may be the next one after that because she is. Uh, we're we're diving into one half, but off the chart special. The, the early returns are pretty good, right? I think they said on the. Uh, my wife told me when I came in just now that. Um, they said that <clears throat> that move might have sh- uh, sh- shook the Eiffel Tower. I couldn't spit <laughs> it out. So yeah, gutsy man. But hey, that's kind of um, that's kind of old hat for her. Like those types of moves. You remember in that All Star game she played in, Wes? She was doing some crazy stuff in that game. She scored a million points in high school. You know, R- rough estimate, but. Yeah, it's obviously translating. She she basically has as a guard everything. Like total package. She's got the handle, she can shoot, she's got speed, she's got a little bit of everything. Actually, she has a lot of everything, more accurately. Yeah, she does. Uh WJM41 
filling us in. 48-33 at the half. Appreciate that. I I was watching, I watched most of the first half, then I was getting ready for the show here. So I, I've actually got it up on my iPad right now and they're in commercial, but um I'm guessing I'll probably stay starting the second half here shortly. But uh, I, I'll show a little bit of my age here for for our older listeners. We're at the point in our lives, Chris, where old people think we're young and young people think we're old. So like you're kind of right in the middle. Through this awkward stage, yeah. 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 So um older basketball heads in the state will know. And the younger ones will have no idea. And but I've brought this up probably several times before. I went to high school with Ivory Latta. And Ivory, who ended up going and playing at UNC, then playing in the WNBA. She's played overseas for years. She's coached. Um at the time, and in my opinion, still to this day, the best player in South Carolina women's basketball, South Carolina girls basketball history for high school. And a lot of people have compared Full Wiley, though, to Ivory. And as someone who was in the gym when Ivory dropped 70 in a playoff game, literally, yeah. Um, I, I always said, no matter who came along, that they compared to Ivory, that there was no comparison. There would never be another. Mm-hmm. However, let me just say, I see why she has garnered those comparisons because the play style is very, very similar from the uh, the flair, the confidence, the quickness, the handles, the fact that she's not like a shoot-first player, but she can still shoot. Uh, she's going to spread the ball around but then knows when to uh, take over. I think is kind of my early impression. I I see it. I get it. And um, let's just not make the comparison. Two very very special talents. Um, but I'm tell if y'all if y'all ever just want to go down a YouTube rabbit hole, I believe somebody dug up the old film um, of Ivory and all seventy of her points in that game. So you can you can look for. Junior me yelling <laughs> in the stands in this grainy footage from um, 2003. You I probably think. look different, Wes. You probably Is there an embarrassing haircut or something like that? Oh, probably, mix? man. Probably. It's probably bad. I don't know. Some people might say I am look embarrassing right now. I don't know, man. But, no, nah, the uh, – the the takeaway from this game, I think, I think it's going to be full Wiley from the Gamecock fans. The bigger picture, though, if you get away from the flash of that, is I think it's going to be a fun team for Gamecock fans to watch. Man, I, I know they've had a bunch of roster turnover, but lots of exciting players on this team. There are man, and and you know a, a team that was ranked what top ten preseason despite losing. A lot of players, all the freshies. But, you know, on the strength of having, you know, Cardoso back, some other key pieces like Bree Hall, Chloe Kitts has seemed to make a big offseason jump, Wes. And then you have, as Dawn always does, a really good recruiting class coming in led by Full Wiley, probably kind of the headliner of that class. They, this is still an extremely, extremely talented team. 
And Wes, you never know, man. It might be, I mean, we're through what a half of basketball as we sit here and talk live. This could end up being a team that you go, hey, that that great team that they just had didn't win a title, but this other team who was also great, you know, but maybe a step down is the one that ended up winning a title. Like we see that in baseball all the time, right? Remember there was a Florida baseball team that Kevin O'Sullivan, their head coach, had said, this is probably the the quote-unquote worst team that we've had in five or six years, That, but they won a title, right? They were the best team at the right time. And if we know anything about Dawn Staley and her program, she's going to have her team equipped, stocked with talent, and equipped year in and year out to at least be in the conversation to compete for titles. And, and my guess, Wes, as we progress throughout the season, is, is this year won't be any different. This is going to be one of the top programs in the country. And it's exciting, you know, watching some of this young talent. Yeah, dude, you can imagine. So it's 48-33 right now. This game is far from over. Notre Dame could make a run. We're getting well ahead of ourselves. But two, I mean, this is apparent, two very talented basketball teams we're watching today. They're going to be growing pains, I'm sure. There will be ups and downs for this team. But they're going to be tested as the year progresses to the point that they will be ready once tournament time comes, as pretty much all Dawn Staley teams are. So it will be fun to watch. We're going to do some football now. If anything crazy happens, we'll keep you all updated. But I imagine if you've got the ability to watch it right now, you probably are. If you're listening to us later, you probably already watched the game. So, um, as always, we're brought to you by Clint Hammond. Let me get that. Movement Mortgage, clinthammond.com, 803-771-6933. There are actually some signs the whole housing market could be improving a little bit here soon. Interest rates starting to be some signs they could be dropping a little bit. So if you've been holding off for that, might be a good time just to hit Clint up and and let him give you an update on where things are. If that's something that you and your family have been considering and just have been like, man, the rates are too high. Give Clint a call today, 803-771-6933. He's always tracking the markets and getting a good idea of how you can best kind of prepare for what might be next. So as always, appreciate Clint for being our presenting sponsor here on GC Live. And Chris, uh, let's dive into South Carolina, Jacksonville State, a 38-28 win. A win, you know, a win is a win, but also not the prettiest game. I mentioned this earlier. I kind of struggled at first to figure out how to frame this game up to our listeners and readers on Gamecock Central. But I thought Shane Beamer on the teleconference actually really framed it up pretty well. I mean, this is a game where you you never apologize for a win. And, and I know some fans don't even like that approach, but I I'm I think you work too hard. You're a two and six football team going into this game for one. So and and what happened surely, surely beats the alternative. <laughs> which is in an alternate universe, Jacksonville State drives down and their guy makes the big play as opposed to Stone Blanton making the big play. So you should never apologize for winning a game. However, the other side of that is if you're going to go 3-0 and down the stretch, you got, you've got to play better, I think, than they did on Saturday. I think they could probably beat Vandy with another sloppy performance, just to be completely honest. But I don't think you're beating Ray Davis and Kentucky and that defense. And I don't think, even though Clemson's had their pains this year, I don't think you're beating the Clemson Tigers 
with another performance like that either. Yeah, I, I think, man, as we get closer to those games, and I've sensed this for the past couple of weeks, it's kind of been on my mind a little bit, the the demise, uh, the rumors of the demise of Kentucky and Clemson have indeed been greatly exaggerated, in my opinion. Now, I know people are enjoying uh, Clemson's fall off this season, and, and it has been steep, to be clear. This is still a team that is quite capable. They have, they still have a very good defense. They still have some talent on offense. And they just put together their best performance of the year at home against Notre Dame. And it's tougher to play at Clemson. This is probably a, one of those teams that's a different football team on the road. And then you go to Kentucky, and they have Ray Davis and an offensive line that's played very well most of the season. Um, Ray Davis is a really good running back, and don't look now, Wes, but Devin Leary has started to play better at quarterback, which is not a great sign. And then we know that Mark Stoops is typically going to have his defense pretty well prepared, at least in most games when we look back at history. So, yes, you get these games at home. They're going to be really tough. And I made this point earlier, Wes, on the GC Takeover Hour 107.5. I – like listening to get context on the previous game and what to think going forward. I like personally listening to the Sunday teleconference better. Don't get me wrong. I, I listen to Saturdays, post-game presser. There's always some things there. But I feel like the Sunday teleconference is hidden. It goes kind of underreported at times. It doesn't get as much airplay. I think it's always always has even more substance, right? Because after the game, you think about after the game, the emotions are still running high after a win or a loss. <clears throat> there was a lot of conversation about what Shane Beamer said about the fan base and a certain segment of the fan base on Saturday. And if whether you agree or disagree with that, totally you're right to have that opinion because I can see both ways. I've, I've heard – all sides of those arguments. But if you did pay attention to that and kind of circle that and have an opinion on it, you know, listen to Sunday as well. We got it here on our, on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Gamecock Central. Wes, you put it up every Sunday. Teleconference audio. It's a lot more in-depth, right? Because Beamer has had an opportunity to go back and not just recall what just happened on the field, but go back and look at the tape and see what happened on the field and make those assessments and Wes, where I've landed on it after listening to the Sunday teleconferences, you know, Beamer sounded a little different to me. He said some similar things, right? He, he said before, hey, we need to coach better. We need to play better. He said those things. But I think even just the tone and some of the substance of what he said to me was a little bit different. And you can tell um, that, yes, while while happy about the fact that they won, he's far from satisfied and far from thinking that what happened was good enough uh, on Saturday to, to carry forward for the rest of this season. Yeah, man. And uh, by the way, I, I just threw a link for those who are on any of our video versions. That is a link. That's actually the transcript from it. But if you pull that up, it will um, autoplay the audio as well at the top of that. So uh, if y'all want to go check that out, it is available right now uh, for free. If you just click that link that's on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, 
Let's see. Yeah, so South Carolina, Kentucky announced earlier today 7.30 kickoff, SEC Network. Mars standing on YouTube saying, is it possible the only reason it got a 7.30 kick against Kentucky is because they are going to a bowl game? No, I, I think the reason it's a 7.30 kick is, for one, 7.30 is not your first choice. You know, CBS 3.30 is the first choice. So even though you want those primetime games, that doesn't always mean you have the best game that week. And two, a lot of teams are, are kind of playing their non-con cupcake game that week. So there actually are very few SEC versus SEC games that weekend. So that, I think that very much played into South Carolina's favor. Um, yeah, as Jamie says, Rude will be there. And, you know, you, you don't want Dayrood playing pregame with steak and eggs at 9.30 a.m. You know, like you, you want that to be a night game. You want everybody yeah. to have had a few beverages, had some tailgating time. And so really, I, I don't know if there was some twisting of some arms or if South Carolina just lucked out, but that, uh, that worked out. And, dude, you know, I – Prior to Saturday, like, I'll be honest, my my opinion on this team is sort of still even shifting a little bit on can they win these final at the time it was four, now three games. I, I don't know. They're just going to have to play better. But prior to, prior to Saturday, I actually was kind of thinking maybe even the difference between a South Carolina win and loss against Kentucky – was whether or not we were looking at a nooner or another night game, honestly, because there's just something about williams Bryce Stadium that hits a little bit different when it's a night game and when it's a, a beatable opponent. You know, like I, I think that should be a fairly competitive game. Probably still give Kentucky a little bit of the edge right now because of Ray Davis. You know, South Carolina's got Vanderbilt this coming weekend. You know, we need not remind everyone what Ray Davis did in a Vandy uniform against South Carolina last year. Yep. So, um, and I, I guess we're getting well ahead of ourselves. We've already zoomed past the Jacksonville State game, past the Vandy game, and now we're talking about Kentucky. But big picture-wise, yeah, you're going to have to play better. But – the news today that that's a 7.30 kickoff, and then I promise we'll get back to Jacksonville State, it is, a, I believe, a positive that is not not worth overlooking. I, I think it's a positive worth mentioning. Yeah, that, that's exactly what you want, right? They rude come into town. You know, people are typically have typically been keyed up for this Kentucky matchup that's, Wes, I think been a night game. It seems like the last, what, few times it's happened at Williams-Brice Stadium. Not always been a good result for South Carolina, obviously. But, yeah, the, the slate for the SEC TV games uh, that week, November 18th, not great, right? Ole Miss has UL Monroe. Alabama has Chattanooga. Abilene Christian at Texas A&M and on and on, right? And so uh, the, the 330 slot, of course, is going to Georgia at Tennessee, which is the marquee game that week. But this is one that, despite South Carolina's record, I think, We'll have some eyes on it. You got kind of the little rivalry, the what happened last year, the comments, Beamer, Stoops. You've got some kind of built-in um, angles there that that make this one interesting, and I think it was a compelling matchup. But 
that this does line up well. But at the end of the day, Wes, 12, 334, 7, 730, whatever. You know, I think all three of these games, again, we're gonna we're gonna say this a million times, probably leading up to each of those games. The performance that you saw on Saturday won't be good enough, certainly, to beat Kentucky and Clemson. You could even argue it might not be good enough for Vandy, right? We're we're not that far removed from watching a Vandy team come in that was not very good. South Carolina put up a sleepy performance and needed a, a frantic final drive to pull out a, a narrow victory in that one. So we shouldn't yeah. leave that off the table this year either. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't. At the same time, I kind of think as long as you have a healthy seven, as long as you have a Leggett out there against a Vandy, this is a Vandy defense that is right down there at the bottom too. Yeah. So I, I t- Now we know in college football anything can happen. So – just like when South Carolina has gone into these games where they've been very overmatched on paper, and we say, hey, anything can happen. There's always that – I don't know what window you put it in. There's always that 10% or 15% chance that just college football happens, right? And one team's just off, the other one's on, and and we see what can happen. For the most part, I think if South Carolina and Vandy play 10 times, South Carolina probably wins nine of them. Like, I, I think – they are by far the better team. But the uh, the thing here with them is the, the margin for error is a little bit bigger in that game, but the margin for error is never going to be as big at this point this year as you really want it to be, if we're being completely honest. And I think we thought it was maybe going to be a little bit bigger against Jacksonville State than it ended up being. And, you know, I think, Chris, my biggest surprise in this game, if we start to kind of break it down, my biggest surprise was that they were not able to run the football better than they did. If you told me everything that happened in the game, like you had a, a crystal ball and you're like, this happened, hey, Rattler threw for a million yards, Leggett almost broke a record, I'd have been like, yeah, that makes sense. Hey, defense looked actually pretty good at times, but gave up big plays, had to create some turnovers to win the game. I said that tracks, but man, not that this has been like a great rushing attack for most of the year, but I really thought given the matchup that they would have been able to more consistently run the football. And I I do think that was the difference in, you know, the offense putting up what really let's just call it what it is. It's 31 points by the offense. Mm -hmm. I thought that was the difference in the offense putting up 31 versus you know, having a 41, 42, possibly more type game, which is what I – watching the first drive of this game where you had a long run from Mario Anderson, you had – the ball was moved around quite a bit. You had a lot of different looks. That's kind of what I thought we might be in store for. Oh, yeah. You you got the start. that It was a dream start for South Carolina. You, you go out, you get not only a stop, but you get a third and one stop which you feel good about, especially against a run-based team. You get a third and one stop, and you go down and score on your first drive. You can't start any better than that. Uh, The problem is the defense actually held Jacksonville State on a couple other drives, and the offense sputtered. And and USC was unable for most of this game to to play complementary football, right? Even 
I think Wes, after they uh, had the the weird punt situation, the near block that Jacksonville State took off and ran and got stopped short, South Carolina didn't score on that drive, right? So even even that aspect of playing complementary football failed, and a lot of it, you know, you can point the finger at each aspect, offense, defense, special teams, at different points of this game. But yes, I totally agree that running the football, that that was the biggest concern in this game, right? And USC had a different plan for the running backs in this game with Trey Knox out. Josh Simon played a lot at tight end, had a really good game. But they got really three different backs involved pretty heavily doing different things, not just running the football. But aside from that first Mario Anderson run, they just weren't able to get anything going. And Wes, we've seen some weird games in the past where you kind of have a little bit of an aberration, right? We've seen some of Steve Spurrier's best teams play competition and you're going, they can't block Wofford. Like what's going on? You know, but it's more of an aberration this year. We have the context of knowing that this has really been an issue for most of the seasons, not just Jacksonville state. Yes, they have a good D line. They're very active. They play, they're very multiple in defense. That's part of it. But still, it was a performance that wasn't exactly awe-inspiring in terms of how they blocked things up. And I think there's some frustration offensively, too, because if you go back and look, there were some opportunities to make plays where they had some good calls on and just kind of got beat. And that's that's kind of hard to live with. Yeah, for sure. Um Jay Diz, in response to what we're saying, saying, I mean, DK has like 120 yards rushing through nine games. I mean, that I don't really think that necessarily tells the story of this season, though. DK has not been the primary back since like week two, honestly. So if you really want to tell the story of the running game, it's been, um, you know, Mario's emergence. And, you know, he he's created things at times and has, I mean, run really hard. I think you can count on him to to break some tackles along the way. There were a couple of times, Chris, where I think they tried to get Juju out in space, and the one that pops in my mind was a third and two early on, and they kind of have everything set up exactly the way they want, I think, and a defensive tackle makes a one-handed tackle. You remember that play of Juju? And the way it's designed, I can't – can't remember. I don't know if that guy got beat. He that may have been a guy you just leave unblocked on that play because you're not expecting him to be able to get there. And he uh, you're you're actually thinking your back is going to get to the second like get to the edge before this interior guy can get to him. And their guy, it was one of those things where you're like, "All right, if he outruns this one guy, then this is definitely a first down and possibly a chunk play. And their and their guy just makes a play. And so I think they had some things in, some things in the the design for this week that were new and different. And uh some of it they had to scrap because of injuries and guys being banged up. Some of it they probably had to scrap along the way, Chris, just because the running game was not really hitting. So you had to sort of adjust and, and go to the passing game a little bit more. So, you know, if you kind of look at that, let, let's actually talk about some of that three-back stuff 
mm-hmm. because it it struck as soon as I saw it. Do you know what popped in my head? I don't. I'm curious to know. As soon as I saw it, I was like, is this a complete coincidence that we're seeing basically for the first time this year? the diamond formation, which is basically what that is, which is something that we saw at West Virginia back in the day with Rich Rod and then coming off the – I think they stuck to that even after he was gone with their next staff. But that's the old diamond formation where you have a quarterback and three backs around him and you're running all these different looks off of it. And it it was kind of – I know they didn't do that as like an ode to the other coach. That's stupid. But it, it did make me wonder if they were sort of – obviously they knew they didn't have their their main sort of two tight end package this week because there's no Trey Knox. So when they went two tights, that meant Connor Cox What was the other guy. And so they installed these sort of two-back or three-back looks to take the place – of their two tight end looks is what they did. But I, I did kind of wonder that they just say, like, was that on the tip of their brains because they've been watching Rich Rod film? Um, that that may be silly, but it just caught my – it just – I was like, we haven't seen this look all year long, and, and, and here it is. Now, it was a little bit more – it looked like they were in true, like, shotgun diamond at times. Traditionally, you'll see teams run that diamond out of the pistol. Um, Nevada would run that quite a quite a bit when they sort of kind of invented the pistol, I think. But anyway, I thought that was a cool wrinkle. Now, it got kind of taken off the board a little bit because of some of the, the injuries at running back, but also a point Beamer made last night. It's just one more thing on film is really what it is. It's something to give your opponent 10 minutes, five minutes in practice to say, hey, we have to be aware of this as well. So we may see that look a bunch of times the rest of the way, or we may never see it again. It's just to, to give your opponent something else to prepare for, I think. Yeah, it gives them, gives them something else to look at. And uh, it, it was interesting, but like you said, Wes, could, you know, I, I would not have picked that. You know, offensive wrinkles coming into the game, I would not have said, I think we'll see three backs at once. Like, did not think. But there were some cool things, um, not necessarily even out of that look, Wes, but just the usage. Like, I thought the usage of Juju McDowell in particular was pretty cool. There was a really good, interesting screen. For, for those that love screens, Right, there's a lot of conversations about screens, especially if the team doesn't play well offensively. There was a really, really well designed, well executed screenplay uh, that South Carolina ran. So I, again, I think as we talk about a lot, I think with Juju, he has to be a guy that you use in spots correctly. And I thought there were some good uses for him on Saturday. Really catching the ball, Wes, is where he had more yardage, even than than running the ball. I think. Uh, but there, there's some good things in there for him overall. Hey, you know yeah, what I, else is good? What's that? Personal injury attorney who can help well, hopefully you. Hopefully you never need it. But I, I hope you don't ever need one at all. 
But if you do need one, give our buddy Trey Harrell a call or visit his website, attorneyharrell.com. And in fact, he's been voted the best personal injury by the readers of the Post and Courier right here in South Carolina. Great guy, very helpful guy. If you're watching the video stream, there you see on the screen, at Trey Helps. That is his social media handle. You can check him out on Instagram, on Twitter, on TikTok. You can hear from Trey. You can see Trey. He talks about some legal things, gives you some helpful tips. Very helpful guy, and he can help you or your family or friend if anybody has unfortunately been injured in an auto accident. If you have been, if you know somebody who has been, make sure that you don't go at it alone or that they don't go at it alone. Find an attorney who's going to fight for you. Fight to get what you deserve. Find you an attorney who helps. Remember that Trey Harrell helps. That's at Trey Helps on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok, or attorneyharrell.com. Yeah, and Chris, while we're on a little break, let's go ahead and tell everybody about our friends at Bird Dogs as well. Um, so I, I told you I had kind of been told, hey, man, you've been wearing the Bird Dog shirt a little, little too much. Like, you can't wear it every week. Right. So, um, you know, put it in the closet for a little bit, but it was the wife's birthday this weekend. So, happy birthday. Shout out to the wifey. Also, Saturday night, went out, busted out the bird dog shirt, as, as of course, like, as we should. Yeah. Um, softest, best polo I own. You can buy it as well. Go to birddogs.com. The great thing is, if you make a purchase right now, use our code GAMECOCKS. You get a free Bird Dogs Hydro Flask style water bottle. So you can go to birddogs.com slash Gamecocks or just type in Gamecocks at uh, the checkout in the little promo field and you will get, again, free Bird Dogs Hydro Flask style water bottle. And, of course, they're known for their shorts. Um, check those out as well. The best ones, in my opinion, are the ones that are like khakis on the outside but are comfortable like gym shorts on the inside. and um, a lot of different options, though, but those are two of my favorites. Go check them out, birddogs.com. Um, what, Chris, do we make of the defense in this game? Because it is kind of it's kind of clunky, right? Like, it's there were some moments. Like, first quarter, first quarter, you're like, dude, the defense is doing everything you would ask of them, right? Yep. Yep. Making plays, making tackles, getting pressure when they were able to actually get in some third and longs, forcing punts instead of field goals. You know, you're saying this is what you needed from the defense today, right? Yep. Then there some explosive plays start popping up again. You let them sort of reverse field on a couple of plays. You let them hit the ball down the field where you have once again – I think that's got to be very frustrating for the staff. Another situation where there's a ball in the air down the field and you have two defenders near the ball and um, the offense completes the ball. Um, so there were times, you know, you're saying, well, this is more of the same. Then you move it forward and you say, look, defense created some turnovers. They did get you the football back in some good field position. They scored a touchdown and specifically, that touchdown, that turnover, came when you absolutely needed it the most. Uh, so a defense that did not get turnovers for all of October comes through and forces four of them. So to me, it's kind of a little bit of a complicated conversation 
when it comes to the defense in this game specifically? It's hard. I've had a hard time, Wes, figuring out if the offensive or defensive performance was more frustrating in this game, you know? And I think I tend to land on defense, but, you know, it is close. And I think it's the run game offensively, right, that it was hard to swallow, not being able to run the ball more consistently. Shane Beamer, you know, in his, his in-game interview after the game, Sunday teleconference, he expressed as much. But then the defense – yeah, I mean, you, you, again, I go back to dream start, right? You get a start, you get a stop early, you score on offensively on the first possession. Can't ask for any more than that. You get a couple more stops defensively. And South Carolina was really doing, Wes, exactly what we said coming into the game. On first down, they needed to play better. They got, I think, a third and one stop on the first drive. But then the next two drives that they got stops on, they played really well on first down, and they for- forced some bad situations. Again, I'm I'm overusing complimentary football, but I'm not blaming the offense at all for the defense's performance. But early on, it didn't help, and here's why: field position is an obvious one. But then you look at, you know, you said going into the game, it was a great point, kind of an undervalued point. This would have been a lot different game if South Carolina could have jumped on Jacksonville State early. Like, let's say you get those three initial stops and you're up 17 nothing, 21 nothing. That changes the whole course of this game. If it's 21 nothing with 12 minutes left in the second quarter, much different game. And the, and the opportunities were there to do that. Instead, it ended up being 14-14, you know, pretty early in the second quarter. And so... Again, that's the whole complimentary football thing. But, yeah, the defense was uneven, just like the offense. And there's one stat that I was going to go back to, Wes. By the way, do you have the tackle for numbers loss? And, tackle for numbers loss. Tackles for loss numbers in front of you. I don't. But it seems like no, there are good many of effort. F- effort those if you don't mind. Here's a, here's a stat that I want to give, though. I, I published this in today's Insider Report on Gamecock Central. So, on three of Jacksonville State's touchdown drives, the defense gave up a third-down conversion in each of those, respectively, 31 yards, 37 yards, 54 yards. So, not only did you not get off the field on the third downs, you then gave up chunk explosive plays. At least one of those was a touchdown. Right, you had the third and two. They throw it over your head, man coverage. Think you're supposed to have a, a safety over the top, fifty-four yard touchdown on a third and two. So you go from we might get off the field, and it's not just the chains are moving; it's the other bands playing. And there were too many of those situations in the game on Saturday. And so, like you said, very uneven performance, very frustrating performance. And we can view this within the lens of it not just being a one-game aberration. We've seen these issues for a lot of this season. Travis saying six tackles for loss for South Carolina, ten for them. Yeah. So so just to make sure, Travis, you're saying South Carolina's defense had six TFLs. Jacksonville State's had ten. Um, yeah, that kind of speaks for itself, but – that too too good on third down for Jacksonville State. If you're South Carolina, 
And again, man, I, I just felt like if my point in saying that early on was if um if you're South Carolina, if you had an early if you had early control of this game, you really kind of neutralize a lot of the things as far as tempo that Jacksonville State does, or they would sort of be forced to make that decision. Do I do we just are we who we are? And we put ourselves in position to potentially just get the doors blown off of us. Or do we say we're going to just kind of go into survival mode? And uh, and maybe maybe they say, no, we're not going to change a thing. You're not going to get us out of what we do. But at least you have that potential or that potential for them to feel like they have to throw the ball a little bit more. And then there's more chances that the quarterback gets hit. There's more chances for interceptions. Um, you, you just put the pressure on them. And that I, I felt like, you know, I was just doing some quick math here, man. South Carolina's defense, I mean, we're talking the first three drives. You got Jacksonville State had 10 plays for 19 yards mm-hmm. and three punts. So you, you touched the football – three times on offense and on those same three drives, Jacksonville state had 10 plays and 19 yards. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you did have some early opportunities to go ahead and, and do something with it. And then of course that fourth possession is where you gave up the touchdown. They tied it. Then your next possession your being South Carolina, South Carolina goes up 14 to seven, but then the ensuing possession, they tie it right back up 14 to 14. Mm-hmm. And then you have, I believe the turn, you have the turnover on downs that actually was the fake punt. Um, By the way, did that, did that get asked about the fake punt? Hmm. Um, I don't know if it got asked, but Beamer did address it. And I can't remember if it was on Saturday or Sunday. He kind of ran through it and said he he was talking about something else. Can't remember what it was. Maybe just going through some individual plays of some things that went wrong. And he did mention like aside from the fake punt, that one was on me. And so he kind of put it on himself in terms of the play call. Or I guess keeping the fake on. Yeah, yeah. And so, then, sec, dude, Chris, second half, really the way the game played out, if you kind of go back and go drive by drive, it's like the first three drives are kind of separate, and then the rest of the game kind of was just back and forth, like played out sort of similar the rest of the way, right down to, you know, Jacksonville State. They have their turnover on downs where and, – and I will say this. Beamer said they thought they were going to block a punt or two or three. They they kind of did block a punt, even though they didn't. Like, right, yeah. Dawson bailed out on that because he knew or was pretty sure that punt was about to get blocked. Um, so that, that was a positive special teams play there. Now, the unfortunate thing is South Carolina – goes for it on the next fourth down and um which I thought was the right call don't get me wrong I would have gone for it too but but they don't 
they don't convert. So then you, you kind of wasted that opportunity, I, I feel like. Yeah, you did. I mean, that, that was another one. Again, not taking advantage of situations where you had a chance, you know, to put them away. And early in the game, first quarter, when the, de- the defense did not play well in this game, but there was a stretch in the first quarter where they did play well. They were playing well. And when you had that opportunity, you had to take advantage of it, and they didn't. Um, I Even South Carolina's second drive, Wes, very first play, they hit, I think, a 19-yard pass to a Marion Brown, and they're near midfield, and then they sputter out, and then they have to punt. Defense gets another stop, back to South Carolina, don't do anything with it, punt again, right? And so they just didn't take advantage of those early opportunities they gave Jacksonville State more bites at the apple, and they finally started getting some of those, right? And they had some big plays. I mean, Jacksonville State, to their credit, started making some third down plays. South Carolina was in position on some of them, didn't finish the play. They were not in position on some of them. So, overall, not good enough, or Good, really good at the beginning, really, really good, but then kind of reverted to some of the things that we've been seeing for a lot of the year. Yeah, the, the one thing that was a little bit different than I think we've seen most of the year is that the um, that the pass protection w- was pretty good for, for most of the game. And and when it wasn't, it really, Chris, it didn't feel like that kind of immediate pressure where Rattler just has no chance. Like, it, it kind of felt like there were times where there was pressure, but it wasn't just that immediate, hey, two or three guys are back here. Like, he can kind of – he he's learned to deal with one guy pressuring pressuring him. It feels like so he was able to kind of make some things happen. Offensive line, at least in pass pro, actually graded out very very well if you look at PFF. So that that was the one maybe saving grace for them on offense is that there was enough time for Rattler to go get the ball to Leggett and Leggett. Yep. I mean, we we probably were forty six minutes in. Um, it's probably not good that we haven't mentioned 17 yet. And and obviously seven just kind of, he did what you expect from him, man. Like I, I see a couple of comments on here, you know, yeah, Rattler short, you know, short armed a couple balls or threw him short guys. I just, I have a hard time being nitpicky at all about anything Spencer Rattler does on this team, just because he gives you so much. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, if you. It's like if you have a shortstop and he makes an error, but he also got you 10 outs in the game and three of them were spectacular. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll live with the error all day long, man. And for Spencer, um, yeah, did he maybe underthrow Harbor a little bit? Yeah, but, I mean, you got a freshman wide receiver. You're, if you have a veteran wide receiver there, he comes back to the ball and – and bells his quarterback out. I mean, how many times has Rattler bailed out people this year by getting out of there or by making a beautiful throw on the run? Um, you know, you kind of want your receiver to come back and, and at least get that ball to the turf, uh, I think. So, yeah, I, I think anything against Rattler, we're kind of nitpicking, honestly. Like, it's kind of like a nobody's perfect thing, in my opinion. So, uh, but Leggett, dude, you, you made the point on the Insiders Forum. Where where does Xavier stand now in the in the pantheon? Yeah, he's 
he's getting up there, man. And uh, that, that's that's a conversation I think we'll have to properly assess at the end of the year. And I don't, I don't know if we'll come up with a right answer. Um, but, you know, him and Rattler both are guys that are on a, a team that is not – you couldn't call this a, a really good team, Wes, because of their record. But they, they've been special. And both guys have made themselves a lot of money, frankly, Wes, on, on a team that has not, you know, had a really good year. But the way that Spencer Rattler has conducted himself, his playmaking ability, I think people have seen even more of it this year. He's added the running element. He's made a lot of big plays still. I think, you know, a lot of times you think of it in a in a way of, hey, the guy, this guy's got to have big stats and have a really good team to increase his stock. It seems like he's increased his stock despite the year that South Carolina has had as a team. And Xavier Leggett, of course, speaks for itself what he's done. He, he's made himself a ton of money to where he's now a guy that's, you know, second round NFL draft territory, maybe even higher depending on how this thing progresses. I, I think he's probably kicking himself less on the one the turf monster seemed to get him on the first deep ball that Spencer threw him. Two beautiful balls. I know Spencer wants the one to Nick Carber back, no doubt. I, th- I thought Nick Carber could have done more on that one, frankly, um, to kind of protect his quarterback. Was the ball short? Sure. Um, yeah. But, yeah. And, and Spencer's not going to blame Nick Carber for that. Now at this point here on Monday or Tuesday this week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, got I mean, I see the points in the chat, but I just gotta disagree, honestly. Like WJM, Jacksonville State quarterback had no problem with it. I'm guessing you're referring to a couple of his deep balls. I mean, guys, Jacksonville State quarterback was twelve of twenty three with hundred and eighty three yards and a QBR of forty six. So if we wanna if you want to compare those two days then, yeah, I'm taking Spencer Rattler every single time. And no quarterback's going to hit every single throw in a game. It's just not going to happen. But he has given he has given this team a chance this year when I think there are actually very few quarterbacks in South Carolina history that would have given them a chance on a lot of these plays. And I maybe I'm overstating that, but I really I really don't think I am. Um, you're you're gonna miss some throws, like that's just fact of, fact of life. But Rattler's 27 to 38 for 399 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. That's a pretty good day in the office, in my opinion. So anyway, but Leggett, I think the other thing, Chris, that's gonna kind of make that a not difficult conversation, but it, it'll be difficult to see where you put him is because it really, when you look back, it's going to be just this one year. And so it's going to be hard for him to pass kind of those three or four just all-time elite guys that everybody puts as like the top of the top because so many of those guys did it for – multiple years right yeah yeah um so their careers he's not going to be able to pass their careers but if you frame it up as hey what are the 10 best seasons by a wide receiver in south carolina history depending on how these last three games go what do you kind of have 
a conversation there. And I, I'm with you, man. I think I think we got to wait to have that convo, but talk about putting yourself in position. Like yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's been it's been awesome to see. Great testament to him and, and just there's not, not many guys that deserve it more than him. And so it's been really cool to see because he's always had that talent. He's just he's an absolute horse, you know, I mean, on the field. And I mean that as the highest compliment, seeing him out there running. Wes, I was up high on Saturday, and so I kind of saw that play develop. And seeing, you know, that was a – I was a long way to run for Leggett uh, on the second ball, the one that ended up being a touchdown. And watching him steamroll across the field and Spencer throwing that ball that he dropped right in, that, that was something. So – I think I do think we can say that he's one of the most talented receivers in Gamecock history, like easily, and he's probably very, very high up, even in in that group, which is a very impressive group. Yeah, and, and he's developed, man. I, I think early on, it was you have this just again compliment freak athlete, but he was still developing as a wide receiver, and now you've just seen the you've seen everything else kind of take over, right? Like you've seen all the ability and um, the the best compliment you can also pay the guy is that when you said, initially said that play, I didn't even know which one you were talking about because it was just like play after play where he's showing different aspects of what he can do, whether it's run after the catch, whether it's down the field, whether it's running under a ball that he gets led on. Um, you know, you mentioned the turf. The turf monster might have cost him those 16 yards that would have been the the all time record. But yeah, man, it, it's been special. You got to just enjoy this while we're seeing it. And I think once again, also kind of shows the value you can have in finishing off a season with some confidence and some positivity. Remember how Leggett finished off last year. He carried every last drip of that into this offseason. So this has not been the season South Carolina wants. It's not been the season they expected. You got three games, maybe four, if you somehow win the final three. But if you think you have nothing to play for, if you're in a Gamecock uniform, look no further than Leggett. Because, like you said a second ago, dude has made himself – with nothing else, he has made himself a ton of money this year. Yep. As far as rising up draft boards. Yep. He has etched his name into South Carolina history. He will always be supported in the Palmetto State for as long as he lives, um, as far as if he wants to get into business. And, um, Chris, I think – if I'm a player, if I'm a young guy, if I'm somebody who's played some but not a ton, I would look at these next three games as obviously trying to win the games. But this is a little bit of a tryout for next season going into the offseason as well. If not for the fact to just win, do it to better yourself as you're positioning going into the offseason, I think. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And, look, I mean, I, I think we've been all eyeing this four-game slate you know, to end 
November and end this season. And as ugly as it was, you did at least accomplish the goal of checking one box. I mean, if you're going to try to go four for four, you got to go one for one. And they did that. And they play like they did Saturday. One one for three or 0 for three is certainly on the table. Um, but I was talking to somebody today made a great point of, hey, if you can go, if you can win these last ones, you're six and six. It's not great, but you contextualize it of, hey, you did rebound and win four straight games at home. You did salvage the season. You did get bowl eligibility. And that would also mean, Wes, that you beat Clemson. And I think there'd, there'd be something to say for a lot of those things. So, key question can this team put a complete game together? They have not. They have not put together a complete game where you really feel like they're playing to their complete potential this year. The potential of this team is maybe not as high as we thought it could be going into the season, and a lot of different things have played into that, including injuries, especially on offense. And there have been some negative surprises here, particularly like with the defense. But can this team put together a full game, especially in games three and four of this four-game four home stand to close the season? We will see as, as it keeps going. By the way, speaking of complete games, luckily our early podcast bragging on South Carolina women's basketball um, did not come back to haunt us in any way. South Carolina closing out Notre Dame right now, 93-59 to 59 with uh, about three minutes of game time left in Paris. So all signs point to the Gamecocks uh, starting off their season in a terrific fashion overseas got to be an awesome just uh team experience memory you know memories you'll have for a lifetime and uh great bonding for a team that obviously has some newcomers and transfers and, and all that so i'm sure i'm sure dawn staley as the coach that she is will find plenty of things to kind of uh tell them they did wrong to keep them moving forward but uh now we're at 245 less left 93 to 61 South Carolina uh no danger of them losing this one so a uh, great win for them and Chris men's basketball tipping off tonight as well so both yep. basketball teams getting rolling for the Gamecocks today yeah man what what a what a win for the women right goodness I don't know. obviously we don't know what the final will be but it'll be a win um in that regard and impressive I mean when I Turned it on earlier. I was listening to it on the radio, actually, on the way back home from the radio show. Um, they were down, actually, I think three at that point. And they they turned it on, uh, you know, to go into halftime and then obviously coming out as well. So, Dawn looks to have another squad that is is loaded with talent. And I'm I'm very interested to watch this men's team this year to see what type of leap uh, they can take in year two as well. Yes, yeah, so we'll have um, – we, we don't – to be clear, we don't have anybody in Paris right now, but we will have complete coverage um, as far as content after the game. And then um, our new beat writer, Jack Veltry, will be uh, covering men's basketball in person tonight. So we'll have complete coverage of that on Gamecock Central as well. And uh, so no no anxiety for South Carolina women's basketball and no taxiety for, uh, for Chris Clark, right, Chris? No tax society at all. The team at Liberty Tax, Larry Slaughter, does an outstanding job. He's met with me. 
has met with my family. We've texted, we've emailed, any type about any type of communication, Telegram, whatever you can think of. We've chatted with him. Uh, he's super knowledgeable, been in the industry a long time, ha- can put together a great customized tax plan for you to make sure that you have the best possible situation with the IRS. You don't want tax anxiety. If you're watching on the stream, you don't want to be chewing up a pencil because you're so worried about your taxes. He will let you know what you got to pay, when you got to pay it. If you're worried about it, just talk to the team at Liberty Tax, 803-462-5576. He'll help you with your tax situation, just like he's helped me. Yeah, appreciate those guys. As always, tax season right around the corner, so go ahead and get ready. They'll make it easy on you. Um, Craig's saying is the men's game on ESPN+. Plus. Um, it may also be on ESPN+. Plus. I don't know, but it is on SEC Network+. Plus. So you should not have to pay extra as long as you have SEC Network. Pull it up on the ESPN app, and you'll get SEC Network+. Plus. You can watch the game. This evening, uh, Gamecocks closing this out now 95-65 with under two minutes to go. Congrats to them on uh, closing out their first win here momentarily. I feel like we didn't get quite into the complete uh, breakdown of the game, so if there's anything lingering, we'll uh, we'll hit it on Wednesday before we also talk about coordinators. They always kind of go back and talk a little bit about the previous game as well. Um, I think we'll hear from Pete Limbo because we didn't last week. So we'll have all that on Wednesday. Mike Yuva will have his uh, show on Tuesday, and then we'll roll right along with uh, Mike on Thursday and then us back on Friday for a final preview. We'll start to get into Vanderbilt as the week goes on and what this matchup might look like for South Carolina. So appreciate everybody for joining us. Appreciate all of our sponsors. As always, for Chris Clark, I'm Wes Mitchell. We'll see you all Wednesday. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.